SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. If sports talk stations were cars, we'd be the one that you drove the wheels off of in high school, cruising for chicks and going to the game on Friday nights, then forgetting where you parked it till Saturday morning and you had to get your buddy to drive you around looking for it. I think I see it, man. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Hour number two for a Monday here for us on Pushing the Odds on Sports Grid Radio, Channel 204 on Sirius XM. Matt Peralt with you. How are you? Coming up at 40 past, Tommy Stokes from the Action Network will come on in. We'll do some Major League Baseball betting. It's kind of a light sports day. No NBA playoff game tonight. One NHL playoff game with the Islanders and the Lightning. We'll have more on that game a little bit later on. So we thought, hey, let's focus on baseball as it's getting to be that time here where baseball is going to start to take over and be the sport for July and August before we get to football. So we'll do some baseball betting coming up here with Tommy Stokes at 40 past. I want to talk quickly, though, about what happened to Bryson DeChambeau at the end of the tournament on hole number 17. And if you were holding a Bryson ticket to win the tournament, to come in the top 10 or to come in the top 20 in the U.S. Open. I mean, there are bad beats, but that's a brutal beat, man. He's leading the tournament at the turn. He's on the 10th hole, and he's leading the tournament. And everything fell apart for him. And the one thing that, I I don't know, I'm not a PR consultant, I'm not a coach, but a part of me feels like Bryson DeChambeau needs to be a little bit more aware, or at least a little bit more cognizant of his personality. And the way that he's presenting himself in the media, I'll play a clip here in just one second. But, you know, Bryson was asked about what happened at the end of the tournament, and he completely dismissed the idea that he fell apart. Like, he completely and totally looked at the media and, and, and like, was completely like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, like what, what are you talking about? The dude scored an eight on hole 17. An eight And it wasn't just the fact that he scored an eight. The entire back nine for Bryson was a complete and total mess. He went from in the lead to finishing the golf tournament three over, tied for 26th. His back nine went par, bogey, bogey, double bogey, par, 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 quadruple bogey, par. He shot a 44 on the back nine. A 44. Four. Now, for you and me, shooting a 44 is not that bad, right? Hey, on that golf course at Torrey Pines, I think if, if most amateur golfers got out there and played, they'd say, hey, a 44 is a pretty good score on the back nine. But that's a professional golfer who's playing in a major in the U.S. Open, trying to defend his championship, and he doesn't come close <laughs> to par. And he throws a snowman up, and he just completely butchered the entire round. Bryson DeChambeau, after the tournament, kind of like, what are you talking about? I didn't fall apart. I didn't get off the rails at all. It's, it's golf. You know, people are going to say that you know, I did this or I did that, and it was honestly just golf. I've had plenty of times where I've hit it way worse than I did today, and I've won. So, you know, it was one of those things that uh, I just didn't have the right breaks happen at the right time. 
and I could have easily shot, you know, gotten to seven, eight under today, and you know, I just wasn't fully confident with a golf swing, and just got a little unlucky in in the rough and in a couple other places. The Bryson versus Brooks rivalry is real. It's it's real. Everybody was hoping to see it either in the pairing for the U.S. Open, or they were hoping they were going to see it in, in the, the initial pairing, or they were going to see it in a playoff, or I think everyone still is after it because it's good for golf. I, I do agree with Brooks and Bryson. As Brooks Kepka has said, look, it keeps people talking. It, it's good for the internet. It, it's good for the for the Twitter conversation. And that's really an important piece if you stop and think about now that there's money on the line and you know, starting next year that the – PGA is going to award golfers who bring extra attention to the course and, uh, and, and to the tournaments that are being played on tour. And, and so Bryson versus Brooks kind of is the first indication of that, that these guys are going to lean into this, that there's a little NASCAR going on here. If you remember, you know, back when Dale, J- Dale Jr. was or Dell Sr. rather, was driving and he had rivalries. He was the intimidator. Everybody was afraid of him. And then it kind of spilled over into, you know, Jimmy Johnson and Jeff Gordon and all these different drivers. Fights were happening in the pits and, you know, crew chiefs were going after each other. Like NASCAR loved that. And I'm not saying that PGA Tour wants to see anybody throw hands on a golf course, but they're realizing that in today's golf world, there needs to be a little bit more there needs to be some off-the-course stuff going on, like this guy doesn't like that guy. Look, rivalries are what sports are built on. There's a gentleman agreement, right, when it comes to golf, and golf thinks of itself as a bit above that, and they're a, a, a little more elevated than than anger towards each other or disliking each other, but it's perfectly human to dislike somebody. It's perfectly okay to have you know, ill will towards somebody, not like their personality, not like how they play the game, not like their approach or not like what they say publicly. And that's clearly what has gone on here between Brooks and Bryson. I like Brooks Kepka. I do. I don't love him, but I like him. And I like him more because he's more, I think, authentic than Bryson. And I really just, you know, that clip and just laugh at yourself. Like, just say I had a horrible day. Just say, I don't know what happened to me, man. I just fell apart, and yeah, just one of those things. I'm going to chalk it up, and it's, it, it's okay. You know, those things happen, and it's, it's fine. Yeah, I definitely lost it, and, and I definitely got sideways, and, you know, hey, next time uh, I'll be better, and, and, and I got to be better on the grid. Just be a human being. Like, don't be this like, I don't know, nah, I didn't do any of that. That, that didn't happen. What your eyes were telling you when I put up a quad on a par four and I recorded an eight – yeah, you didn't see that. That that wasn't me falling apart. Now nah, that's not on me. That's on you. <laughs> like it just that turns people off. That really makes people angry. And I think it's a really bad PR move for Brooks for for, for Bryson in this Brooks angle. Don't make Brooks a sympathetic figure. But Bryson's doing his best to do that with really weird answers, like he did. More to come. It is a Monday for pushing the odds here on Sports Grid Radio. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
You're listening to Pushing the Odds. Powered by O'Reilly Auto Parts and Rocket Mortgage. And now, out of Las Vegas, Nevada, by way of Boston, Massachusetts, here he is, Matt Perron! Appreciate it, Mr. Buffer. We have a lot to come on the program. We'll get to some baseball talk with Tommy Stokes from the Action Network. And we'll talk about the fact that for 150 consecutive games before tonight, the L.A. Dodgers were the favorite going into the game. The Dodgers are a dog tonight. You Darvish at home pitching for the Padres against uh, Julio Arias for the Dodgers. And you can get plus 110 odds on the Dodgers right now if you want to go ahead and bet on L.A. tonight. Late game on the East Coast, but... A little bit of a like a shocker there going, wait, the Dodgers are underdogs? Yeah. They're underdogs really, really well. It's just that on the road, up against what now is their biggest rival, even though the Giants are in first place, it's tough to say. You know, winners of eight of their last ten, the Dodgers, they've won three games in a row, but the Padres have won three, have won four games in a row. And well, these two teams, when the Dodgers are going down the highway to San Diego to take on the Padres, it is a rocking atmosphere. So should be a lot of fun here tonight. But if you ever wanted to grab plus money on the Dodgers, tonight might be you know, one and only chances to do it, to get plus money on the Dodgers on the road at the Padres tonight. I, I think it's going to be a really fun game. We'll get more into the sides you can bet on coming up a little bit later on. Ukraine and Austria playing right now in Group C. Austria scored in the first half off a corner. It's one nothing Austria in Group C action at Euro 2020, so we'll update that. The total on this game, I believe, was two. And there was a big draw potential they were talking about earlier from implications as to who is going to move on into the knockout stages out of this group. But uh, So we'll watch this and, and, and pass along any updates, any goals that may be scored here between Ukraine and Austria uh, in Group C play. Uh, I'll watch also here for any news coming out of the Chris Paul camp. I'm still wondering what's going on here with Chris Paul. He was on FaceTime after the win with his teammates, and – he, if he is fully vaccinated, we haven't heard yet like a time frame as to when Chris Paul may come back for the Phoenix Suns. They played great. I mean, a triple-double was incredible for for Devin Booker. But I, I think everyone's wondering, all right, so is it a week? Is it, you know, it, it would be this Thursday would be a week. So would he get cleared to come back and play maybe he only misses game one and two maybe he's available for game three of this series and look you know they're up one nothing and so maybe you can say all right let's not rush it let's make sure that you're completely healthy and good to go when you come back Uh, but I mean if Chris Paul enters this series and Kawhi Leonard does not that is a monster development, and it could very well lead the Phoenix Suns to the Western Conference Finals. I bet the Clippers to win the series at plus 650 before game one, and I still think they got a really good chance of winning this series. They love to come from behind, but I, I am, we'll talk to a writer later in the show talking about the Clippers because we're hearing such 
you know, quietness out of the Clippers when it comes to the knee injury for Kawhi Leonard. Like, how serious is it? Is it something that's going to end the season? Like, what what really is going on? It, it, it has felt like for a while that he's done for the year, but we have no confirmation of that from Kawhi, from the media, from the Clippers as to whether or not he will actually return from this knee injury, whatever the knee injury is, for Kawhi Leonard. From there, we start the hour with our four big stories. This is the Hard Four. It's time for the Hard Four on Pushing the Odds with Matt Peralt. The Philadelphia 76ers got beat at home in Game 7 against the Atlanta Hawks. That process did not work, and it, all the, the heat is centered around Ben Simmons and his inability to do the simple things on a basketball court, to shoot, to dunk, to hit a free throw. Sixers are going home. They lost Game 5 and Game 7 at home to Atlanta. TNT on the call. But debris coming on the floor. They'll just put it in bounds. The clock's going to tick. And Atlanta, your Hawks are headed back to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time in six years. Nate McMillan and the Atlanta Hawks win Game 7 on the road in Philadelphia. And it'll be Hawks-Bucks Wednesday on TNT for the right to go to the NBA Finals. What a performance by Atlanta on the road. Their fifth road win in these playoffs. More on Philly in the opening line. Number two, Devin Booker recorded his first ever triple-double in game one of the Western Conference Finals against the LA Clippers. Booker was outstanding. Clippers take, sorry, Suns take game one over the Clippers after the win. Booker revealed his mentality heading into the opener in this best of seven series without Chris Paul on the floor due to COVID protocols. You know, I've been a student of the game, you know, for a really long time. And, you know, Kobe obviously being one of my mentors and Chris being one of my mentors and not being, being able to be here with us today you know we wanted to do it for him you know we we, we talked about that pregame um we knew we were gonna all have to give it you know a little bit more you know ball security you know my job keeping everybody involved you know stuff that's usually on chris's plate you know we all had to make up for it today as a team and you know just the the mentality you know people say the mama mentality just the approach of you know doing whatever it whatever it takes you know at all costs to get a win Number three, John Rahm was the betting favorite before the U.S. Open, and he ended on Sunday as the champion at Torrey Pines. His first ever major, but it was a train wreck on Sunday. Many golfers falling apart, but not Rahm. He birdies 17 and 18 to win the U.S. Open. After being taken off the course at the Memorial with a six-stroke lead, John Rahm felt like the universe owed him one. I'm a big believer in karma, and... After what happened a couple weeks ago, uh, I stayed really positive, knowing big things were coming. I didn't know what was going to be, but I knew we're coming to a special place. I know I got my breakthrough win here, and it's a very special place for my family. And the fact that my parents were able to come, I got out of COVID protocol early. I just felt like the stars were aligning, and I knew my best goal was to come. And I have a hard time explaining what just happened because I can't even believe I made the last two putts and, and I'm the first fan ever to win a U.S. Open. 
Fourth and finally, the Vegas Golden Knights and head coach Pete DeBoer shocked the hockey world last night by benching the odds-on favorite to win the Conn Smythe Trophy in Marc-Andre Fleury. Instead, Vegas started Robin Leonard in net for the pivotal Game 4 matchup in Montreal, and Panda was outstanding. Gave up one goal in the overtime 2-1 win for the Golden Knights to even the series at two games apiece. And after the game, Robin Leonard told the media he was watching the reaction, and it used he used it for fuel. Not many people know, you know, I come to the game four hours early. Every I get my own bus, come four hours early. I sat for two hours and watch you guys talk shit on Twitter on me, you know, to get me motivated. You know, it was great, you know, just see all what you guys had to say. And, you know, I don't care what people think. It's been a weird, kind of a weird season with concussion and my surgery and stuff like that. But, you know, I've been battling hard lately to, you know, just be a good teammate and be as good as possible. And, uh, you know, I don't really... It's a great motivation for me. Uh, I don't do the flashiest saves and all those things, but uh, you know, before this season, ever since I got out of rehab and even before that in Buffalo, I've been putting up some pretty good numbers. And uh, yeah, people act like what they that, that I'm not very good, especially in our own town. But uh, I don't know if it's everyone. In fact, I don't think it's everyone that questions Robin Leonard, but some definitely did. And I love the fact that he just sat there at the podium on the Zoom press conference and told the media, I sat for two hours and watched you guys talk junk about me and used it for fuel heading into the biggest game of the year for the Vegas Golden Knights. Awesome story. Awesome clip and quote from Robin Leonard there from the Vegas Golden Knights. And Vegas now back in their series in a big way against Montreal. They've got home ice back. It's a best of three with game five happening tomorrow. We got game five tonight for the Islanders. Let's get to what's going on with Ben Simmons in Philadelphia, though. What's the future for him with the Sixers next? I'm pushing the odds. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Um, you know, so I don't know the answer to that. Wow. I mean, wow. You're asked a pretty straightforward question about your starting point guard, who's supposed to be a franchise cornerstone, and your answer is, I don't know. You don't know? Here's the thing. You're asked, he's 24 years old. He's a 6'10 point guard. He's a unicorn in a lot of ways, right? Because he is a player who you expected when he was drafted into the league. The expectation was that at this point, his game would have developed. That the outside shooting would have become serviceable. I'm not saying he would have been a great shooter ever in the NBA. But at this point, he needs a sports psychologist. (laughs) He's just shattered. I mean, when you watch the game, it was 88-86 to with three and a half to play in a game seven, Philly down by two, and Ben Simmons has the basketball literally a foot from the rim. 
All he does is reach up and dunk it, right? That's the easy play. Nope. He passed the basketball. He was that concerned about missing a layup or missing a dunk or being fouled, for that matter, and having to go to the free throw line that he would rather let somebody else do it. I mean, this is like watching somebody in high school or watching somebody who is, you know, afraid to do something and you're asking somebody else to do it because you just don't want to do it. It's the hot potato. I don't want the ball. Don't give me the basketball right now. I don't want the pressure. I don't know how you rebuild that. And then your head coach is asked, hey, is Ben Simmons a point guard for a championship team? And Doc Rivers, who has one title to his name, by the way, but he does have a title, and he had a point guard in Rajon Rondo that that year who couldn't shoot but won a championship with Rajon Rondo as the point guard of the Boston Celtics, saying, I don't know the answer to that question right now. You don't know the answer to that question right now. How do you not know the answer to that question right now? And it's going to get worse. This offseason is going to be really bad for Ben Simmons. If he stays on the Sixers, this offseason of Philadelphia media, they're going to roast him. They're going to rip on him. Fans are going to want him gone. And it doesn't help when you've got guys on TNT like Charles Barkley who just go in on you last night in the postgame. Interesting non-committal answer by, no, by Doc Rivers to that. No, you don't not. think that's an interesting answer? No, because I've told you on this show a hundred times, Ben Simmons can be an all-star, but that's all he can be until he learned how to shoot. No, that wasn't the question. Yeah, but listen, that, that, that's the answer to the question. If a guy is uh, – my second-best player can't shoot, I can't go to him with the game on the line. I, I don't even have him in the game. I, I, he didn't want to throw the kid on the bus. He said – it doesn't matter. We sit here. We're basketball guys. We know basketball. You can't have a guy on the court who's afraid to shoot the basketball. But to count I know it. that's what that's you not, think. That I was just, we were just responding to what Doc said. Well, Doc, said well, that's Doc, a non-committal Doc, Doc, answer. He's in a bad situation. He don't want to throw the kid under the bus. But we have to do our job. We talked about it at halftime. The guy's giving the ball up to Joel Embiid at half. He's giving the ball up to Joel Embiid at half court. And, and because this, he's, he's terrified. This, this play in particular. This dude, he's turning. This dude is scared to death. He's scared to death. I'm with Chuck. There's no debating it. Joel Embiid is the superstar of that team. But because of his consistent injury problems, you need to have multiple superstars, and you need Ben Simmons to be able to score the basketball. You have to have a point guard in today's NBA who can shoot. You don't have to be Steph Curry. You don't have to be, you know, even Russell Westbrook in terms of your ability to pass the basketball. But what you have to be is competent. He's not competent shooting. Two of 16 shooting yesterday. You can't do that. You can't take 16 shots and hit two of them in a game seven. You just can't. 24 years old or not, you just can't. The Sixers made Ben Simmons available in trade conversations for a reason. Because they recognized what Ben Simmons is. It's that potential. You see the size. You see the playmaking ability and the flashes, and you go, huh, what happens if that guy continues to develop? What happens if he gets better? Where could he go? The problem is, in Philadelphia, you're not going to be given the chance to do that. Maybe in Sacramento you'd be given that chance. He needs to go somewhere at 28 
we look up and Ben Simmons is an incredible player. But at 24, he's never going to be given the chance to do this because he can't handle it. He clearly is in his own head. Free throw shooting, for the most part, free throw shooting is a mental game. I wouldn't be, you know, if I was him, I would be shooting them underhanded. Like diaper shots until I can consistently make it. Because nobody cares how you shoot the free throw if the free throw goes in. No one cares that. But if you can't shoot, and if your ego won't allow you to shoot a diaper free throw, and you're thinking, I'm 24 years old, I am, you know, I want to date a Kardashian, I can't be shooting free throws underhanded, then forget it. But he should be in the gym for hours upon hours upon hours. He's got the ability to hit free throws because everyone on the planet has the ability to hit free throws if they practice long enough, if they make it a priority. Shooting jump shots are a different story, okay? Shooting three-pointers, different story. But if you're in there putting up 500 shots a day, and you're in there working with shooting coaches, and you're making it a priority, you can develop. The problem is, it's clear, he has not done that. He has not made that a priority. He has not put in the work to become a competent shooter. Because he's a liability. Bottom line, he is a liability. In today's NBA, he's a liability. You cannot play in today's NBA without being a competent shooter. And he is not a competent shooter. When your fans are cheering when you hit free throws, two of them back-to-back, and they give you a standing ovation, that should motivate you. That should make you angry. You should be mad about that. Where are you mentally? That would be my question to Ben Simmons at 24 years old. Where are you mentally? He was asked the question point-blank after the game last night about his mentality and whether or not he can win in the postseason. Do you feel like there's something that is different in the postseason with what makes you perceive to be the player that you are different than in the regular season? No, no, I'm not, I'm not going to let you say that. Um, we lost, it sucks. I am who I am. Uh, it is what it is. You know, it's not, it's not easy to win. And it shows, you know. Nets got, got finished by Buck. It's not easy to win. Hmm. Um, and I work, so... The first thing I'm going to do is clear my mind and get my mental right. I am who I am. I don't like that from a 24-year-old. I am who I am. Not when you're clearly showing a, a huge weakness that is hurting your team. I would rather have him stand up and say, look it, it's on me to get into the gym in this offseason and never have this happen again. I scored five points tonight. I scored five points. I'm supposed to be a franchise player. I'm supposed to be a cornerstone player for the Philadelphia 76ers. And I scored five points in 30, excuse me, in 36 minutes. I scored five points. 13 assists are great, but it's not good enough. You can't do that. Eight rebounds. Eh, it's okay. Not good enough. He scored six points on Friday, five points on Sunday, eight points in game number five. You can't score that few points, 19 points in three games where your team loses two of the three. 
if your team is winning and your job is just to be the facilitator and that's it, okay. But that's not what we're talking about. I mean, you hit, in game five, 28% from the free throw line. In game number six, 50% from the free throw line. In game seven, 50% from the free throw line. Again, not good enough. 57% at home shooting free throws this year. Not good enough. That's what I want to hear from Ben Simmons. This is all not good enough. Everything that's happening right now is not good enough. Take ownership. Don't talk about the Nets. Don't deflect. It's got nothing to do with you. Winning is hard. The Nets got beat by the Bucks. It's got nothing to do with Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons. Nothing to do with you. You haven't developed. You haven't worked well enough on your game. And now the Sixers have to figure out how do they trade you. Because that's the only thing that makes any sense to me. Is that in Philadelphia, they're going to roast this guy. He cannot play his career in Philadelphia. He, he's not built for this. Send him to the West Coast. Send him to a team that he can work in relative isolation and not have the spotlight on him. Joel Embiid has got to get with a point guard who can shoot. And they need to make a monster move and change this roster up. I like Seth Curry. I think Max is going to be a good player. I, I like him a lot. But they need a legitimate scoring guard superstar to go alongside. Could you imagine Chris Paul playing with Joel Embiid? Could you imagine what that tandem would look like? A player like that? Now, it's not going to happen, but Paul is going to be available most likely. And it's going to be on the free agent market. Philadelphia, Chris Paul in Philly, whew, that would be something. But Joel Embiid needs a Robin, and that Robin's got to be able to shoot. And it sure as heck is not Ben Simmons. Not at all. His time in Philadelphia feels like it's over. Next, Tommy Stokes, Action Network. Padres, Dodgers. Dodgers, a, a dog for the first time in 150 games. That game and more broken down next here on Pushing the Odds. For perspectives and actionable insights 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's the winning edge. What are you going to do? SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Listening to Pushing the Odds. Live from Las Vegas, here's Matt Peralt. Baseball tonight. We got Padres Dodgers, and the Dodgers are dogs for the first time in over 150 games. Let's break down the slate tonight with Tommy Stokey from the Action Network here on Pushing the Odds. Tommy Matt Peralt, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. What's your feeling to start it off here with the Dodgers on the road at the Padres? you got Darvish on the mound for the Padres, Arias on the mound for the Dodgers, but the Dodgers are dogs. Should they be? Yeah, I'm not really sure on this one as I, as I look into it. Obviously, um, you know, the Padres have the clear pitching advantage with 
Darvish, but I don't know that the Padres hit lefties very well as I'm looking at kind of last 30 day stats, their bottom half in the NL and OPS against left-handers. Um, so that gives me some pause, but then I look at the Dodgers and, and specifically their bullpen usage coming off of a game that they should have wrapped up pretty easily against the Diamondbacks, but you know, um, Gonsolin only throws three innings. And so they've got to use, you know, five guys, including Kenley and, and Price and, Gonzalez. So I, I don't know yet. Um, I, I'd look at lineups and I'd see, you know, does it, you know, who, who, uh, who does, who do the Dodgers sit if anybody, um, but that could be a, that could be a team total type thing. The bullpen thing kind of scares me for the Dodgers. So I might, I might look, you know, first five, if anything, but right now I feel like I'd be forcing something if I did it. Okay, we'll come back to that game in a second. I'm curious about the Diamondbacks and the Brewers here. The Diamondbacks have lost 17 consecutive games. They have lost 23 consecutive road games, but they are at home here. When a team is losing like this, do you stay away? Do you ride the train of losing? Do you try to bucket and say at some point they're going to win? I mean, how are you attempting to handicap Diamondback games right now? I mean, the Diamondbacks are kind of doing the impossible where you like, hey, Law of averages here. They got to win sometime, right? But I mean, that's just that's just not a very good team right now, especially their bullpen. So even if even if they get up, their bullpen is so bad with guys that you think are just created players in MLB the score, but not like the ninety nine created player. They're like the sixty rated created player that they just throw in. Um, it, it's it's tough. Now, if there was a, a night for it to happen, you know, Merrill Kelly, I know is. Five four ERA doesn't look good, but he is one of their better, more capable pitchers. And anytime I see Brett Anderson on the mound, I'm not all that excited to, to get on his side. So, if there was ever a day, you know, this one, this one might be it. Even money on the money line. So the books clearly aren't, you know, a hundred percent sold that the Diamondbacks are going to lose this game here tonight. So. You think tonight might be time to might be worth the value? It might be time. They're at home. We know that they can't win on the road, but they play a little bit better um, at home. What Milwaukee's coming out of Coors Field, right? So th- yep. that could be a, a, a little day after effect there. So you know, I think I think that you've just let me talk myself into that. We're taking the Diamondbacks tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to we're going to buck. At some point, they're going to win. They've lost seventeen. They lost seventeen straight with the Diamondbacks, but at some point, they got to get a W. Just I'm with you with the law of averages. Astros Orioles today is an interesting one because the Orioles are another team. They also are absolutely horrific and. They've lost two games in a row. They're 19 and a half games back of the Boston Red Sox. I mean, they've won one game over their last 10, which is just ridiculous. Astros have been playing really well. They've won seven games in a row, 43 and 28 so far, eight in eight wins out of their last 10. You're playing, you're paying some pretty good juice here at minus 166 on the Astros, but any value on the Orioles at home at plus 140? I don't know. That, although, you know, going against Dota Rizzi is something that I'd like to sign up for, and it's not Matt Harvey, so maybe the Baltimore Orioles have a chance. Um, I'm kind of interested in the over four and a half team total for Baltimore. Um, you know, only minus 110, but then I don't have to worry about, you know, what Keegan Aiken can do on the mound, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of a fade against Dota Rizzi. And, and maybe the Astros, you know, pound Aiken early, and they get up by a bunch, and now you're not using some of your top relievers. So, you know, the Orioles have been scoring. Um, 
they've got some power in that lineup. I mean, Cedric Mullins is, is one of the surprise players, and Trey Mancini's hitting well. So they've got some options in the lineup. I think if I was going to target that, just because I, I, I don't want to throw up when the Orioles blow a lead in the seventh or eighth inning, I, I trust that four-and-a-half team total a little bit more. So, Tommy, let me tell you kind of where I'm at, where I'm at with baseball betting. So when I get to late June and July – I, I'm a little bit, I don't want to say bored, but I start to look for different things that might get me excited. How, how do you feel about yes, no runs in the first inning as a bet? Well, I think I think with that, I think, you know, along those same lines, I think last time we talked about, you know, first five team totals and first five stuff, I think those are interesting as well. And that goes along the same lines where, you know, if I don't like Jake Odorizzi tonight, maybe instead of having to sweat, a bad team for nine innings, you know, let's jump on the first inning. Um, and you don't have to watch a three hour baseball game either or watch it on your phone or however you're doing it. So, <laughs> you know, I think, I think other, those are fun options. I like the first five. Um, I like the first five bets. I like the first five team totals usually going over because, you know, life's too short to bet first five team total unders. Um, <laughs> so that those, those are definitely options as you're looking to, to kind of um, get more, more diverse bets into your portfolio and into your uh, your viewing. Yeah, so I'm on yes for the first run for Baltimore and Houston tonight. I'm on the yes for the for a run to be scored between Cincinnati and Minnesota tonight. Jay, Jay Happ is 10 and 2 by the way games he has started for a yes to be a run scored in the first inning for games he has started. So that's a crazy num- number with Jay Happ. And then a no for the Padres and the Dodgers for a no for the first run to be scored. Do you I mean this can be a little bit streaky and a little bit trendy but like the Pittsburgh Pirates are 44 and 26 to the yes for runs being scored in the first inning. They're a horrible baseball team. But is that kind of how you can jump on? Do you ever look for trends like that and look to follow trends where teams are seeing offense early? I don't know if I've done it with teams, but I've definitely done it with with like weird situations like that. So if if a team has gone over, just straight over for 12 straight games, like I'm more, you know, I don't I don't know that I put a ton of stock into that, but when you look at diving deeper into those situations or I remember the Kyle Freeland first five team under or first five under at cores was like 22 and two. And at some point I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll do this. Um, I feel like those are a little bit harder to um, adjust for. It's not like mm. books can put up a, a four and a half, you know, first five total for the for a Rockies game in course. So um, those are definitely, if I was going to buy into a trend, I like, the idea of buying into that a little bit more again, you're talking about kind of fun bets to make anyway, um, rather than, you know, I'm going to pay my rent with something like this. So, um, that's, those are more interesting to me than just saying, Oh, they've, they've hit the total 10 games in a row. That would be one where I'm like, all right, I'm ready to fade it. We, we had a former bookmaker come on the show one time and tell a story about somebody betting five grand on every game, yes or no, on the board. Five game, five grand at each, yes, no for a run in the first inning, and he was doing it consistently. So, yeah, uh, I, I don't recommend doing something like that, but that's definitely a rush if you want to be involved in, in just first inning play, six outs per game, then you move on to the to the next one. So now that we have hit the Monday Today, Tommy, is the day that Major League Baseball can start to enforce the sticky stuff rule and 
pitchers can be suspended and you can have umpires investigate investigate the baseball. What do you make of K-props? I mean, are we going to see a major shift in the market? Can we see K-props? Can we see unders coming in consistently for some of these numbers? Yeah, I mean, the more I look at it, at first it was like, I don't know how much of a difference is there going to be. Everybody's going to be affected by it, so how much stock can you put into it? But you keep seeing these things on Twitter pop up where it's like, oh, here's the 10-day rolling average of velocity and and spin rate, and the stuff is just way down. And so, you know, this might be the correction where, A, strikeouts are down a little bit, but also, you know, we finally get more runs. I feel like unders were were killing it early in the year and teams couldn't score. Um, And so it's one of those things that I don't want to be first on necessarily. Um, Mm -hmm. I kind of want to see how it plays out before. Um, But it's definitely something that I think you have to monitor uh, as, as a baseball fan, as a baseball, as a baseball better to see how will this impact it. So I don't want to be late, but I'm, I'm definitely not going to be, I'm okay not being first on deciding how this is going to play out. Because the books are going to know, I mean, the books are going are to clearly, well, let me say this. Do you think they'll adjust? Do you think like if looking at a Shane Bieber and the number, you know, a month ago may have been nine or eight and a half that they'll, they'll raise it up or raise it down based upon what they're seeing across the game? I think my guess to that would be more so they'll see how people are betting it. If people are come in and start hammering the under, then they'd be forced to adjust more so than they would on you know the totals. I think the, the market and the betters will determine that more so than the books. And I think the books will be able to, to react fast enough to say, okay, if we hang a nine and a half on Garrett Cole and we just get smashed to the under – early it's not like they're going to hang it up for multiple starts okay let's drop it to eight and a half or you know whatever that that case may be yeah it's it's interesting and i I think yeah i think you're right about that and how the books most likely are going to are are, going to handle it like you darvis strikeouts tonight seven and a half uh aria strikeouts tonight five and a half I, I, I'd be inclined to say the under seven and a half for Darvish probably may be a side you want to jump into, but the under is juiced to minus one seventy two. So that's another way the books can handle it. Just juice one side heavily and see if the public will bite on the other side with plus money on the over seven and a half. All right, Tommy, is there anything tonight you're looking at? Yeah, I'm glad that you brought up the twins and the uh Reds first or first run because that's probably my favorite play of the day. The more that, nice. I, that I dug into it is, is on the reds. Um, I'm looking at points bet minus one Oh nine. Um, but a, it's a, it's a full J hat fade. Um, <laughs> but it's also, it's also buying in on, on Tyler Molly, uh, the, the pitcher for the red. So he's been really good on the road. Uh, I think like a one six ERA on his, in his nine road starts. I just think the reds kind of are underpriced in the, they were always looking at a World Series, seventy to one World Series. They're only four games back, and, and they're behind teams like the Royals, who are you know ten games under five hundred, and teams like that. So, I kind of like the Reds a lot. So I'm, I'm going to fade. Uh, I'm going to fade Hap, and I'm going to buy Tyler Molly and, and take the Reds tonight. Full game or first five? Um, well, I actually I like full game as well. I haven't seen the. I haven't looked at the first five line, but another little thing is you know. Um, Robles has pitched three days in a row for the Twins, so you take away one of their better relievers, and it's already mm. a bad bullpen. Not a not a deciding factor, but you know a nice 
you know, a nice yeah. bonus when you, when you look at the full game number as well. Yeah, first five money lines, Reds minus 120 right now. So you can grab that for first five, or you can take the minus 116 at FanDuel right now for the full game for the Reds against the Twins here today. I like the first five. Yes to a run in the first inning between these two teams as well. I think Hap gets hit early by Cincinnati. Tommy, good stuff, man. Thanks for the time. Appreciate you coming on. All right, we'll talk soon. It's Tommy Stokey, at Stokey Tommy on Twitter to follow him from the Action Network covering Major League Baseball for us here on Pushing the Odds. So he right there is liking the Reds to win first five as well, 35 They've lost four games in a row, so maybe it's a time for Cincinnati to bounce back here. But I'm on the fade with Jay Happ, and I still his number his name is going to bother me forever. It's J.A. Happ. You have two periods in your first name. I can't say J when you have punctuation in your name. It's J-A, or take away the punctuation and go by J. For that reason alone, I want to fade whenever he pitches. I want to bet against J, Hap, and the Twins. More to come here. I'm pushing the odds. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Seven zero two seven five one math the text line seven zero two seven five one six two eight eight. Good stuff with Tommy Stokey from the Action Network breaking down the MLB slate for tonight. So again, just to reiterate where I am today, I have had a lot of fun betting these first run, first inning, yes, no run bets. And you do need to shop around just a little bit. And you do need to figure out you know, what exactly the price you're willing to pay will be on these things. But I paid minus 130 last night for Baltimore and Houston and for Cincinnati and the Twins for a yes for the run in the, in the first inning. And I paid minus 140 for the Padres and the Dodgers for no for a run in the first inning. And it's, it, to me, it's, it's fun here. I, I look at it and I'm like, this is quick and easy, six outs. Let's see if you get a run and then you can move on to a different game. I, I would recommend betting more than one one of these a day if you're going to bet them. And then don't go too crazy. Like, don't go full unit on this. But it is it is fun to do. And it, and it does give you a chance to kind of watch a lot of baseball over the course of a night, multiple different games. And you know pretty quick whether you win or lose on your bet. Uh, the rounds are being made for the Tom Brady quote where Tom Brady speaks to, to the LeBron James show the shop. And... He said, one of the teams, they weren't interested at the very end. I was thinking, you're sticking with that mother bleep that's making the rounds. Everyone thinks it's either the the 49ers or the Raiders. And they're probably right. Because if you remember, I, I don't think Tom would say that about Jimmy Garoppolo. But I do think Tom would say that about Derek Carr. Like, I, I, do, I could easily see Brady looking at Derek Carr's career and saying he wants, I mean, Brady supposedly wanted to be on the West Coast closer to L.A., his son living in L.A., and uh, supposedly his wife wanted to move. Giselle wanted to be closer to Los Angeles. And so, I mean, if it does come out that the Raiders decided to stay with Derek Carr over Tom Brady, this town's going to just fall apart 
<laughs> on John Gruden. I don't think so. Again, I, I I don't think I think Brady wanted to stay ultimately on the East Coast for his family's sake. But man, <laughs> if it's the 49ers, maybe that Brady relationship's not that great as we thought with him and Jimmy G. For XM folks, we're back tomorrow. Sports map we can next year. I'm pushing the odds. Lost in a sea of stats, averages, and injury reports? It's okay. Breathe. You found it. Sports gaming strategies and info. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Coming at you all day. Every day. With more attitude than other lesser networks would deem appropriate.